Hey there, this is Gregory Williams, and I'm the senior pastor of Transform Church. Welcome to our podcast. I hope the following presentation really inspires you to deepen your faith walk and encourages you along your journey. Enjoy the message. The message title for the first episode of the series called God Rails is called Close to the Edge, right? So let me start off by this. What is a guardrail? You might not know, you might know. Well, here's what it is. It's a system designed to keep vehicles from straying into dangerous or off-limit areas, right? It's a system designed to keep vehicles from straying into dangerous or off-limit areas. And you generally find guardrails in three areas. You find them on bridges, you find them in medians, and you find them in curves. Bridges to keep us from going off the bridge into the abyss, medians to keep us from heading into other oncoming traffic or oncoming traffic into us, and curves because there generally changes in the road and so you want some sort of protection as you're driving. You don't want to kind of hit something. So guardrails, you probably know this or maybe you've never thought about it in this fashion, but guardrails actually accomplish two things. They protect us and they direct us, right? They protect us and they direct us. And what's important for us over the next few weeks is to understand that guardrails are never put out in the middle of the road, are they? They're always in the safety zone, a little bit out of the way of the road. And no one argues this. No one argues this point that in order to make the road more safer, we need to have guardrails right in the road, right? No one argues this point. They're out there in the safety zone because that's where they serve their purpose. They're not you're kind of instructing us or, or hindering us from driving. They need to be in the safety zones. And the important thing is that guardrails are there to minimize the damage to you. And you might be thinking, really? Actually, true. The damage done to your car is relatively minor compared to the damage that could have been inflicted if there was no guardrail. You could have ended up in the hospital. You could have ended up with injuries or far worse than that. You could have gone off the bridge if there was no guardrail. You could have gone into oncoming traffic and lost your life. You could have gone off a cliff on that dangerous curve. Those things could have caused you much more damage than actually having your car end up in the repair shop. So guardrails protect us from something that could be far worse. You with me? So the question is, why am I talking to you about traffic this morning? You didn't come to church to listen about traffic, right? The reason is, the highway, the freeway, or the roadways are not the only places we need guardrails. The truth is, most of us would agree that some of the greatest regrets, the worst decisions, the disasters of our lives could have been avoided if we had some financial guardrails, some relationship guardrails, some moral guardrails in our life, which means, and pay close attention now, our future regrets can be avoided if we're willing to put some guardrails in our life now. Our future regrets can be avoided if we're willing, and it's a choice, if we want to put some guardrails in our life right now. Now, 
But here is where we face our biggest obstacle, our, the opposition, if you will. The challenge for us is that culture does not like guardrails. Culture does not like rules. You don't like rules. Because as soon as you hear a rule, you want to break it. Right? No one does. If you tell a child, don't eat the cookie, what's the one thing they want to do? Eat the cookie, right? That's exactly what happens. You tell a child, don't run. That's an invitation to take up a 100-meter sprint. <laughs> and as adults, you do the same thing. I guarantee you that. The speed says 60, but that's more of a recommendation because it's only 60 when the cops are around. <laughs> Otherwise, it's just a general suggestion out there. It's not really a rule. Our culture is more akin to painted lines than guardrails. And because there's a line on the road, a white line, you know, in case you didn't know, again, road information, a solid white line means you cannot cross. But I guarantee you, most of you, including me, broke that rule on the way here this morning. <laughs> it's just a suggestion. It's not really a rule. See, our culture likes suggestions, warnings, but not guardrails. We live in a culture where painted lines and gray lines exist. And we hear things like this, drink responsibly. Drink responsibly. That's good news if you're sober. <laughs> but really, how does it help? What does that even mean? If you want to drink, you're going to drink, and when you drink, you get drunk. Now who's responsible? <laughs> Not you, because you're drunk. So whose responsibility is it now that you're drunk? But it's a great suggestion, right? Drink responsibly. We'll just paste it up there. But no one's going to actually ensure that it's someone's responsibility. Here's another one. Do what your heart tells you. Right? We love that. We've used it. We've talked to people about it. Listen to your heart. What does that really mean? If I'm at the store and I want the big screen TV that would be great in my house, but my credit card is maxed out, my heart is telling me, don't worry about the bill. Get the big screen TV. <laughs> That's what my heart's telling me. That's the worst advice you can tell someone. Listen to your heart. Because oftentimes, our heart wants something, and we're going to do it whether it's good for us or not. So listen to your heart doesn't make any sense. It's just, again, a painted line, a gray line. See, culture does not like guardrails, but at the same time, that same culture that does not like guardrails will mock you when you go off the road. Yo, your marriage broke down? I thought you were a follower of Jesus. You're an addict? You have a secret drug addiction? You eat too much? Fat shaming, mocking. The same culture that doesn't like guardrails will mock you when you fail. And here's what I think. And more importantly, this is what scripture actually teaches us that we need to have guardrails in our life, whether they're popular or not, 
Because there's going to be seasons and times in our life where we're going to hit that unexpected curve. We're going to get close to the bridge where we might go off the bridge. We might often go into oncoming traffic. And I'm not talking about your driving skills. I'm talking about your life. There's times where things go in a direction you never planned on going to. You never planned on having an affair when you stood up there and said to your wife, I do for the rest of your life. But it happened all the time. You didn't plan on having a financial meltdown, but they happen all the time. Businesses go bankrupt, people go bankrupt. You didn't plan on having bad relationships, but all of you know we've had some. You didn't plan on having friends betray you and walk away, but they happen all the time. You didn't plan on things in your life, but they happen all the time. No one wants to have a horrible experience, but neither do we want to put positions or places in our life to prevent us from having bad experiences. The point of a guardrail is that it needs to be there when you need it, not when you decide that now I need it, because when you decide to construct it, it's too late already. If you're going off a cliff and you go, gosh, I wish someone put a guardrail right there, it's too late. It's not something you can build when you think you need it. You have to put it in place before you get to the place. When life goes off course, it's too late to think about putting things in place. So if you choose to put guardrails in your life, you will have fewer regrets. And to be honest, I hope you do. That's what this series is all about. Putting guardrails in our life. And now... As I said, scriptures talk a lot about this. And the Apostle Paul, who you might know, was a great follower of Jesus. He didn't start out that way. He didn't start out by saying, I believe in Jesus. In fact, he actually despised Jesus. He didn't want anything to do with Jesus. And he went even further than that to persecute people that were followers of Jesus. He caught them. He put them into prison. He stood there while they were getting stoned. But he had this amazing experience where he came to realize who Jesus was. And so he begins to write these things to some Jesus followers that were living in Ephesus, and he starts by giving them some great advice on how they should live as Jesus followers in a culture that does not accept or love them. And then he says, you need to stay away from these things, and then you need to do these other things. And I'm going to give you some handles, he says, so his listeners can really take away what he's talking about. And so this is how he gets to the end of what he's saying, and this is what he says. He says this, be very careful then how you live. Be careful how you live. And the Greek word translated live is actually the word Walk. Watch where you walk. Watch where you step. During lockdown, I used to take walks to get exercise because everything was closed. And there's a big park behind our house, and I used to walk there. But every few meters where I walked, there was a massive deposit by someone's pet right on the sidewalk. And if you're not careful where you walk or where you step, you'll step right into it right in the middle. 
So if you have a pet, please clean up after your pet. For all of us other non-pet people that like to enjoy walks in the park. But that's what he's trying to say. Watch where you step because if you step in the wrong place, you're going to be right in the middle of it. And then you're going to have stuff all over your shoes. That's going to create a stink for you and the people around you, no matter where you go. That's what he's saying. Watch where you step. Watch how you live. Watch how you walk. And then he continues. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise people. Don't be foolish, but be wise, because wise people watch where they step. They watch how they interact with this world. They realize that wherever they step, there's going to be an impact, not just in their life, but in lives of the people around them, their family members, their spouses, their children. There's going to be an impact. And he says, be wise, not as unwise. Here's, what, here's the thought he's trying to communicate. Wisdom should be the deciding factor on how we walk in this world. Wisdom should be the deciding factor. Notice carefully, he doesn't say, do the right thing. He doesn't say, do the right thing. He says, wisdom, wise people. Because sometimes in the situations, we don't know what's right or wrong. We're struggling to understand. Is this the right thing to do? Is this the wrong thing to do? Should I be doing this? Should I be doing this? Should I be going there? I'm not sure. But as soon as you put in the word wisdom, it brings clarity. It brings real understanding to the situation. But when you ask yourself, what's the wise thing to do? That makes it clear. So let's think about life based on our current experience, where we are from, and where we want to be. If we begin to think like life of that, and you think, based on my current circumstances, and in light of my future hopes and dreams, where do I want to end up? If I go down this path and I make this decision, is it a wise decision to go to where I want? Because oftentimes we make decisions in the moment, but we don't make decisions for our future. But the decision you make now is going to impact your future tomorrow. You can't decide tomorrow to make a decision in your past. It's too late. So what is the wise thing to do? In order for you to have the future you want tomorrow, you need to make the wise decision today. In order to have fewer regrets tomorrow, you need to make a wise decision today. In order to live with less regrets, you need to make the wise decision today. Not necessarily the right decision, because we can put that black and white thing right and wrong, but sometimes we can make a right decision that's still not good for us. Making a choice later will not give you the future you want. It will just leave you with regrets. And we've all heard this. Maybe I should have stayed in school because now I'm not getting the job or the qualifications that I want. Maybe I should have traveled when I was younger because now I have a husband, a wife, and kids, and I can't travel. Maybe I should have listened to the doctor and stopped smoking. When he tells you, you have cancer, it's too late now. 
Maybe I should have done some exercise and lost weight when your heart is out of whack now. It's too late to make that decision now. And we all have regrets. I wish I could have, should have, would have, but didn't. So what's the wise thing to do today in order to get the future you want tomorrow? So Paul says, be wise and not unwise. And he continues, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity. Making the most of every opportunity. I love the King James Version. It actually says this, redeeming the time. Redeeming the time. Time is the most precious commodity you and I have. It's not money, it's time. Because if you have time, you can make more money. But when you run out of time, there's no amount of money you can make. Time is all that all of us have been given. Time, your time is exchanged for money. You go to work, you give them your time, they give you money. It's time that is the most precious commodity. And the point is that none of us know how much time we have left. None of us know how much time we have in this world. What's going to happen tomorrow? There's a limited amount of time and you're not sure how much you have left. So Paul says, based on that knowledge, be wise and make the most out of every opportunity you have now. Don't wait and put it off to tomorrow. Make that decision now because your future is going to be impacted by your decision today. Most of us, don't we wish we could go back and change some of the things in our past? Go back and say, you know, I wasted a bunch of my years or wasted that month. I was just sitting there on the couch doing nothing. I wasted time with this person when it's not the right person for me. I wasted this. Most of us wish that we go back, change some time, change that dream. We could have run after that dream we had. Now it's too late. Because like all of us, we've not been careful with the time that we've had. So don't be like the unwise, Paul says. Live like the wise and pay attention to how fast time flies. Sometimes you turn around and your kid's like 10 and like, what happened? Time flies. And you go, then you ask them, why, Paul? Why should I pay attention to what time? Making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. That's a strange thing to say. The days are evil, Paul. What do you mean by that? Because we're living in dangerous times, right? We're living in uncertain times. We're living in the midst of situations that change so quickly. And here's the thing. Not everyone is for you. People around you, even if you're, if you're a Christ follower, don't really want to be around you because they think you're this religious nut. They don't understand. It's, it's not about religion. It's about your faith walk. But they're not supporting you. They're not for you. And he says, I want you to be aware. Be wise. So be careful because you don't want to end up in a place you didn't plan to. You don't want to crash your car into a ditch or your marriage or your relationships or your finances and ruin your life. Because most of us, the reality is we like to live on the edge. We want to go as close to the edge as possible, 
without falling over. That's why I like going on roller coasters, because I want to get to, to feel as close as it is, like I'm dying, but not actually die. If you've been on a roller coaster, Karen can tell you all about it. <laughs> she went on one. If Karen can go on one, you can go on one. So here's what Paul continues with this thought. Stop living your life like it's disconnected because wise people know life is connected. Your past impacts your future. Be wise. And he continues, Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. I'm going to pause here, and if, if you're a Christ follower, if you're a Christian, this should be so poignant to you. The idea here is be honest with yourself. Be honest with yourself and understand. And you know, Paul sometimes his language, I love Paul, his language sometimes doesn't communicate his true heart because he says, understand. Now, if you don't understand and someone yells it even louder, understand, does it make you understand? No, it doesn't. But he's saying, understand what the Lord's will is for your life. The implication here is that you should already know because you know what God has called you to be. You know if you're a Christ follower. You know what God has called you to do. You know what you ought to be doing. You know how you should be living. You know what God has placed in your life. You know where you should be. You know what you need to do. You know what you're not doing. And so the question then is, why are you wasting your time sitting there doing nothing? You know what your calling is. You know what God's called you to do. You know what he's placed in your life. Why do you keep putting it on a shelf? Why do you keep putting it out of sight? Why do you keep putting it out of mind? Why do you keep putting it away when you know God's will for your life? And don't try to fool God because you're like, God, I really don't know. No, you know. You know, as soon as you decided to follow Jesus, you know. You come every Sunday, you should know. You read a word of scripture, you don't have to read the whole entire scripture. You read one scripture, you know. You know how you should live. You know how you should walk. You know how you should talk. You know how you should be involved in what God's kingdom is. Why are you wasting your time? Whose time are you wasting? God's time? Let me give you a clue. He's not going to expire. He doesn't run out of time. He's beyond time. You're running out of time. This day is not going to be refunded to you ever. That minute, that two days, that time you sat on the couch doing nothing, no refunds, sorry. Like, oh, but I didn't do anything. Sorry, no refunds. You spent it, can't get it back. So Paul is saying, this is not new to you. Why are you wasting your time? Why are you wasting your life sitting there doing nothing when you know what God's placed on you? You know the calling. And so therefore, he says, what are you waiting for? He says, therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. You have a limited amount of time, a set amount of time. Why are you wasting it? What are you waiting for? Some angel to come out of heaven and tell you, Susie, you are called by God, and this is what you need to do. No, you know. 
You know you've neglected your responsibility. You know you've ne- neglected your calling. You know what God's will is for your life. He's told you that. It's not a surprise. Are you surprised? No. You know. I'm letting it sit there for a while. Then Paul gives us an example. I love this. And oftentimes the scripture here has been misquoted so many times. But what Paul is showing us is, here's the example. The example is, one thing leads to another. That's the example. One thing leads to another example. See, guardrails are the thing that keep us from another thing. Guardrails are the thing that keeps you from ending up in the hospital. Guardrails is the thing that keeps you out of disaster. Guardrails are the one that helps save your life. Your car might be wrecked, but you can walk away. So Paul says, let me give you an example of be careful how you live and how you walk. And here's this illustration. This is the example he gives us. Don't get drunk on wine. Don't get drunk on wine. Now, this is what you need to understand. In the first century, people drank more wine than water. The reason is, when they drank water, they could die. Because they didn't understand bacteria and having water stand along and storage containers and things like that. But they understood if you drink this water that's been standing a long time, you could die. Right? So what they would do is they would have wined water, or more accurately, it's watered wine. So they'd mix it, because the fact is, if you drink wine, you could get drunk. But if you drank water, you could get dead. So what Paul is saying here is, the important thing is, don't get drunk on wine. Because the wine, the getting drunk, pay clear, Close attention here. Getting drunk is the guardrail. That's the guardrail, getting drunk. Don't get drunk. That is the guardrail. You're thinking that's there. No, that is actually the guardrail. Here's what Paul is trying to say. It's not just getting the drunk part. It's what it leads to when you get drunk. This is the illustration. Don't get drunk because it leads to this. Right? It leads to this. I want to do an example with you and ask you to ask you a set of questions. You tell me what picture comes into your mind, all right? I'm just going to remove the wine part and say this. Don't get drunk because it leads to... What picture came in your mind? Don't get drunk because it leads to... Did a person come in your mind? Did a situation come in your mind? Did a picture of something come to your mind? Do you anyone, do you know anyone who don't get drunk was a guardrail for? Do you know anyone whose lives might have been different if people heeded that guardrail? Do you know how many women would have not ended up in the hospital if someone obeyed that guardrail, don't get drunk? Do you know how many kids would have not been abused if their father or their mother 
had that guardrail in their life, don't get drunk? Do you know how many lives would, people would be still alive today if don't get drunk was a guardrail and they didn't run down someone in the street or kill someone? And how many families would be different and their loved one would still be here because don't get drunk was a guardrail? Do you know how your life, maybe you know someone or you know someone of that had a life transforming issue because don't get drunk was not a guardrail in their life and you know someone that lives were lost, you know someone that might have been abused or maybe you're the person that life would have been different if that guardrail was in your life. Don't get drunk because it leads to worse things. That's what Paul is saying. Here's my example, Paul says, don't get drunk. Because it leads to this. That is the guardrail. And I want you to think about that for a second. How much lives would have been different if that guardrail, don't get drunk, was in place? The problem in the context of this message is drunk is the guardrail because it's what it leads to. So drunk is... You've crashed into the guardrail. When you crash into the guardrail, you know what happens next. Your car is wrecked. Your life is wrecked. You end up in the hospital. People die. That's what it leads to. I heard one person say this. It's not the fall that kills you. It's the sudden stop at the end. True? So here's Paul's illustration. Don't get drunk on wine, and he continues, which leads to debauchery. Debauchery is a big Christian word, right? It means extreme indulgence, bodily pleasures, sexual appetites, behaviors involving sex, drugs, alcohol. That's what it leads to. Your life becomes that way. And all these things come from a loss of control when we lose control of our behavior and our lives. Guardrails safeguard us from handing over control of our lives to someone or something else. Guardrails will keep you safe. Guardrails will keep your husband safe. Guardrails will keep your wife safe. Guardrails will keep your kids safe. Guardrails will keep your life on track and help you get to your destination and not run off the troll. And this is what Paul brings to his ultimate ideas, conclusions, so to speak. And at this point, he dips into his faith in Jesus. Now again, if you're not a Christ follower, you can still understand everything we've said before because it makes sense, right? Common sense, good principles. But this is where Paul kind of goes deep. He goes into the deep end because he wants us to understand who we are and find our identity in Christ. And so Paul adds this component that is a bit deeper. This is where he leverages that he truly believes that Jesus was sent by God as the only son, his only son to die for you and me so that we might have eternal life. This is what he truly believes. And this is what I truly believe. And most of us here, this is what we truly believe. Paul has reached this conclusion that Jesus is who he claims to be. That he is the one that is the savior of the world. He is the one that brings us life. He is the one that made a way for everyone. He is the one, true God. So he wades into this knowledge, he wades into this fact, and he's writing to Jesus' followers, and this is what he says. Don't get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, I love this, instead, be filled with the Spirit. This is Paul's dive in to his faith. 
don't be drunk on wine. And here's the juxtaposition. Don't be drunk with this, but get filled with this. So it's kind of like Paul is saying, don't be drunk on wine because it leads to horrible things, but get drunk on the Spirit, which leads to great things. That's kind of what he's trying to communicate. And this is what the New Testament teaches. When a person puts their faith in Jesus, that the Holy Spirit comes and resides in them. He lives in us. And it's an amazing thing, and it's so powerful because you experience it in a so totally profound way. In fact, you experience it in your consciousness. That's where you experience the Holy Spirit the most. Instead of giving control over your life to anything like alcohol, drugs, addictions, even work or a hobby, your husband, your kids, greed, excess, bosses, narcissistic friends, an affair. I want you, he says, I want you to submit your life to the Holy Spirit. Let your life be steered and guided by the Holy Spirit. Many of you, when you became a Jesus follower, it's like your consciousness was turned up to 10. That's what happened. Because the Holy Spirit speaks to us. It is, it's an amazing thing. It's not spooky or not weird. It's not a, he's not a ghost. He's the Spirit of God and he's an integral part of our lives. He doesn't yell. He doesn't force our way. He doesn't remove choice from our life. He doesn't ask you to do anything weird. But it's like a heightened sense of consciousness. It takes us to a whole new level. It's like when you're about to make a left turn because you're heading to a place you shouldn't be going. There's a gentle nudge. Don't turn left. You're about to compose an email to your boss telling them how you really like their work conditions. Gentle nudge. Probably not. You're about to send a text message to your friend saying what you really think of them. Gentle nudge. Not the wise thing to do. The Holy Spirit is an integral part of our life. That's who He is. That's who the Holy Spirit is. Now, this was a brand new thing for the believers then, and for some of us, it's a brand new thing right now, to navigate life with someone to help guide and protect us, to keep us from going over the cliff, from keep us from going over the bridge, to keep us from going into oncoming traffic. That's what God promised to do a long time ago. Before Jesus even arrived on the scene, God spoke to his prophet Ezekiel and said this, and I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. Thousands of years before Jesus came and the Holy Spirit arrived on the planet, God already told us what he wanted to do. This means, what's so important is, this means you are not doing life alone. You have a constant companion. You have a constant friend. You have someone that can protect you from making horrible decisions. You have someone that can guide you into making the best decision for your life so you won't end up with future regrets. You'll have good memories. You won't have the pain of sitting there and thinking, oh, I wish... I made a better decision back in my life then. I wish I wasn't so stupid when I was younger. I wish I didn't do this. Because the Holy Spirit reminds us. And so Paul gives us this gusto when he says, Therefore, be careful how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise. Making the most out of every opportunity. Because the days are evil. Culture is not for you. They're not there to support you. So be careful. Don't make rash decisions. 
that you'll regret later. Don't drive off the bridge. No one plans on wrecking their life more than they plan on wrecking their car, right? Nobody plans on wrecking their career. Nobody plans on wrecking their marriage. No one plans on wrecking their finances. No one plans on wrecking their body. No one plans on wrecking their health. The problem for us is that we don't plan not to. We just don't make a provision not to do it. And that's why we're talking about guardrails. Because guardrails help us from going off the edge. Godwits will help you and your life from disaster. Godwits is really how you set yourself up to walk wisely and live carefully. Most of us would say, "But I'm careful." And if you're a driver, you know one thing. Sometimes you don't have to watch where you drive, you have to watch out for the other driver. Sometimes you don't you can make all the the right decisions but someone could just plow right into your life and if you don't have guardrails from that oncoming traffic then you'll end up in just as much disaster and here's the added benefit you will find that even if you're new to faith it's much easier to discern God's will for your life with guardrails than without them in your life and here's the reason Stepping away from what can harm you is stepping towards the one who loves you. Stepping away from what can harm you is stepping closer to the one that loves you. And this is the discussion. This is the series. This is the topic. Not about becoming better people, but becoming surrendered people. Surrendering to the Holy Spirit. surrendering to the god who loves you the most and wants the best for you the god who sent his son to die for you and for me and so you can live in such a way that our lives glorify him another big word glorify him just means that we live our lives to speak well of our father in heaven that we live as true children of who he is that we're actually his representatives in our dealings with each other in our dealings with people that we encounter in every situation that we encounter that god's fingerprint is placed on others through us so this is about you but it's not about you it's really about god in you and i don't want you to miss a single episode of this series because as we go in deeper this is going to help you live with fewer regrets remember when you asked the person do you want to have fewer regrets most of them said yes well tell make sure you hear it because next episode we're going to talk about it more so honest question with you for you honestly do you want to have fewer regrets do you really think about that when you look back in your life Do you really want to have fewer regrets? Well, I challenge you to make being here every Sunday for the next few weeks an important decision a wise person would make because it's going to help you and if you allow yourself and open up your hearts for the spirit of God to help you establish some guardrails, then you don't want to miss an episode. Question 1 before we close. Write this down. 
take it with your week. These are our handles we give you every week so you can take something away and you can put it into your life. Where do you need to start with this? How do you build guardrails? There's some things and some areas in your life that you know of right now that you're flirting with disaster. You're close to the edge. You're right up to the edge and you're saying, how far can I really go without falling over? You're flirting with disaster. You know it. You're driving a little bit too close. You're walking a little bit too close to the edge. Wherever it is, your finances, your relationships, your marriage, wherever it may be, you're just a little bit too close to the edge. Think about it this week. Where do you start? Number two, take some time this week and write down some areas of your life that you feel you may need guardrails. And this is not an exercise that you can consult with anyone. You don't have to talk to anyone. You can just sit there and write it down. Examine your own life. Be honest with yourself. Be brutally honest because your life, your future depends upon it. You don't have to share this with anyone, but be honest with yourself. Be true to who you are. Look yourself in the mirror and say, I want to be true to who I am. And write down you can tear it up after, you can burn it, you can incinerate it, no one has to see it. But write it down so you can see it. Because sometimes confession is the first step to recovery. Where are you close to the edge? Where do you need guardrails? And if you need some advice, if you need some help, we're here to talk with you. We can help you through the season. It's confidential. We won't plast it up on the screen. <laughs> it's here to help you. So the question I want to ask you is, do you want to have fewer regrets? And I guarantee most of us would say yes. So let's not skirt close to the edge. Let's ask God, the Holy Spirit, to help us with some guardrails. And be here for the next four weeks, three weeks, this one included as we bring this series to a close. Let's stand. I want you to take a moment and just allow the Holy Spirit to speak into you. Think about what Paul says. Understand God's will for your life. You know where you are. You know where you are in relation to where you should not be and where you should be. How close are you to the edge and how close should you be to him? Are you flirting with disaster? Are you walking away when you should be walking too? Where are you in your life? Where do you want to go? What do you want to become? Do you want your future to be great? Or do you want to struggle and have regrets? Paul is wise when he says, be like the wise and not the unwise. Redeeming your time, understanding the time you live in. Time flies and before you know it, it's gone. Make a decision today 
that will set up your future to be great. There's no better decision than putting your faith in Jesus Christ. If you've never done that, we want to help you in that journey today. And it's not a difficult thing. You don't have to jump through hoops. You don't have to do all these weird things. It's just about saying, Lord, I surrender to you. I've been trying to steer my own life. And there was a song someone sang. It's called Jesus Take the Wheel. Because sometimes we want to steer our own car. But God is saying, let me steer your car. Because I'm not going to take you off a cliff. I'm not going to run you into oncoming traffic. I'm not going to take you off a bridge. And you will get to your destination safe and sound. Because Jesus has a wheel of our life. So if you want to know more about that, come see me. Come see one of our leaders. It's not intimidating. It's not a hard question. We just want to help you experience what we've experienced. And for the rest of us, let's continue to pray this week and ask God to open up our hearts, examine us. David said this, search me and find no wicked way in me. You know, because sometimes when we search ourselves, we're kind of prejudiced. But when God searches us, He shows us who we really are. Let's pray. Lift your hands with me. Hello again, and thank you so much for listening. I really hope that message has encouraged you. Would you please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast and leave us a review? This really helps others get exposed to this uplifting message. I would also love for you to share this message with a friend or someone you think would be really inspired and blessed by this. Sharing this on social media like Facebook really does help others also get this free content. I'm honored you chose to spend some of your valuable time with us. Have an amazing day.